Hello and welcome to the latest instalment of what is hopefully your favourite video game podcast. I'm Becky, your host for this month, and I'm joined by Bash. Hello. Chip. Hello. And Andy. What up? Did you say it? Did you say the full thing? Nope, because it's a DLC. I've removed the fucker and I'm going to sell it later on. Oh, I get you. (laughs) 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 I'm sure how we feel about the sentence, I'm going to sell the fucker on. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see trap. we'd had our first merch request on Twitter as well for this, for a What Up Fuckers t-shirt? Oh, hell yeah. See, yeah. Does, oh, was that? My we ego does not need this. I don't know who, I think it was Liam the Mason actually on Twitter. I may be wrong. Liam, you're banned from the podcast. He's, he's my, my, my favourite listener. <laughs> <laughs> so this month we're doing something a bit different. We're taking a look at a now established gaming feature, the DLC Expansion. I was going to leave a pause for the music. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, good luck working that one out, Chip. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, what am I going to do for that? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just keeping this in. That would do. (laughs) (laughs) That's not your tech boy. (laughs) I'm an editor. (laughs) Um, First, um, how is everyone? And what are we playing? Uh, Bash, I'll throw to you first. I am playing Dream Daddy. The Dad Director's Edition. Yeah. Dad Director's Cut. (laughs) It is a daddy dating simulator. And See, I knew you were playing that, but I still wasn't ready for you to say it. <laughs> no, I, I honestly didn't think you'd go with that for the podcast, but obviously you did. I haven't really been playing much else. <laughs> Aside how, how from, I can't daddy? say dating game. I can't keep saying near every time. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> other game I play. Yeah, it's good. I have dated all of the daddies one time. I have to go on a second date with all of the daddies. And then by third date, you pick the daddy. And, you uh, said daddy way too much. You said daddy so much. Mm, very uncomfortable. <laughs> we might need another content warning at the start of this episode. <laughs> Your daughter's called Amanda, so I gave us the surname Hug and Kiss, obviously. A classic. Nice. Classic. I have purple hair and a moustache. <laughs> well, enough about you, Bash. <laughs> <laughs> you got there first, so I was going to make the same joke. <laughs> Yeah, it's a visual novel and it's very fun and just low-key nonsense. It's kind of quirky and has a really um, good sense of humour that I enjoy a lot. And obviously it's hella queer. And last month it had 69% off on Steam and honestly I just have a lot of respect for that. Nice. (laughs) Andy, what have you been playing? I've been playing an indie game called Not Tonight. It's basically a bouncer simulator. Set in Although it's going to be a sequel to Daddy Dating. Oh no. <laughs> when it all goes terribly wrong. <laughs> the first date, not tonight. <laughs> well, funnily enough, um, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to the, the dating stuff later on. But the game's basically a bouncer simulator set in a post Brexit dystopia. And you play like an immigrant who's kind of being threatened with deportation. And you get like a force to like work in front of nightclubs and high society shindigs and stuff. And you basically just got to check people's IDs. Like let them in, or like check for any kind of errors in their ID and stuff, and just like turn them away. It's kind of like Papers Please, but a bit more light-hearted, even though it is set in like a post-Brexit Britain. Light-hearted. Yeah, it's like well, Papers Please. It's pretty grim. It's very Soviet. Uh, but um, it's got quite a good sense of humour, really, considering it's um, about Brexit. Haha, <laughs> we're all fucked. Yeah, that's basically the mood <laughs> of the whole thing. But um, there's also a DLC for it called uh, One Love, where you play one of the supporting characters called uh, King's Head Dave, 
who was the pub owner of a pub called the King's Head that got uh, blown up by his terrorists and he kept it open even though it was like a bombed out husk and you had to keep working for him. And that game's set in France and you basically, you start working for your own pubs like to earn some extra money so you can use a dating um, dating app and like try and like meet meet some the perfect person for you. It's really Ooh. funny and um, it's got a really good gameplay loop. I just I love that style, like uh, scrutinizing information, like looking for like keeps adding new mechanics each each for like time you play it. And it's just, it's a really fun game. Yeah, so not tonight. It's on Steam. I think it's on sale at the moment. Probably won't be by the time you hear this. But so tough <laughs> shit. Just buy it anyway. <laughs> you, yeah. You have such a way with our listeners, Andy. They'll listen. <laughs> Chip, what about you? I'm just playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey because that game never fucking ends, so I'm just, just <laughs> still playing that. Is that three months now? Like three months of this podcast? Yeah, yeah. it's probably going to be many more. It's going to be. I still really like it. I still, I'm still really enjoying it. It's still really fun. It's really repetitive and grindy, but I still really like it. <laughs> Um, no, do you know what? I uh, on the back of uh, Andy's recommendation, I started playing Backbone as well, which is on Game Pass on PC and Xbox. Day one uh, on Game Pass. Day one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so I've uh, been playing that. Not very much of it. Like I like it, but I don't love it. Um, but I just wanted to say that so I could plug Andy's review on this pod, and you should go and listen to that because it's very, very good. Nicely done. Thank you. We like a plug. There'll be a few in this episode, guys. So. Uh... If you haven't listened to earlier episodes, now's your chance. So I've been playing Stardew Valley pretty much exclusively for the past 10 days. And I'm about to hit, I think it's 80 hours of gameplay. So that's that's Stardew Valley for you. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, it's it's taken over my life. Um, I want to retire from my boring office job and become a farmer and marry the town himbo. So yeah, (laughs) it's great. You should be allowed to do all of those things. I should be. I think I'd make a terrible farmer, but I run a good business. Like, that's, like, my crops aren't great, but I sell the shit out of mayonnaise. So I figured, like, that's where my skill set lies. That's where you need to hire a farmhand, like I did with Chip. (laughs) Um, no, that's that's not what happened, is it? That's not not what happened. Well, it's a 50-50 venture. Our farm is a 50-50 venture. (laughs) Farmhouse then. Yeah, you live in a shed, don't you? No, I don't live in a shed. My house is very nice. It's got a plant and a and a plastic flamingo that you keep stealing. You can put those in sheds. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a shed. It's not a shed. And just because you spend all of our money and I do all the work, it doesn't make you the boss. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I feel like like, capitalism right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we haven't played in a while, and all our chicken children might be dead. So why would you bring that up right now? Anyway, on with the podcast. Yeah, on that note. <laughs> Segway. So as is tradition, Andy has been taking a look at the history of DLC. So I'm going to hand over to him for a bit. DLC as we know it, um, it had two very distinct origins that would like go on to intersect and become the thing we know as DLC today. Uh, its first form came as part of GameLine, which was uh, an experimental games delivery service by Control Video Corporation, using Atari 2600 system, and it was that was done in 1983. Historians out there will not also note that uh, 1983 was the year of the video game market crash that nearly destroyed the medium we all know and love. So uh, you can already see where this is going. Described in an issue of Electronic Games as the greatest thing to happen to video games since the joystick, and created by Bill Von Meister, 
originally conceived as a music distribution for, um, platform called the Home Music Store. Meister was forced to pivot to the video game market after music retailers used their considerable muscle to uh, prevent any major record companies joining the service. GameLide made use of a, a modem, which um, at the time was like the most cutting edge of modems, and it it was labelled Master Module, and it was written in this big like He-Man looking font, which is really interesting. And the modem itself was like a big silver slab, much like, yeah, very 80s. It would receive games through the phone line from a central computer located in Vienna, Virginia. And a uh, fun fact, Russian spy Robert Hansen was arrested in Virginia in 2001. That's the only interesting thing I can find out about Vienna, Virginia. <laughs> Excellent. I love a bit of random trivia. And spy trivia too, mm. the best kind. So uh, GameLine would charge a rental fee per download on top of a forty nine ninety five yearly subscription cost, which would be the equivalent of $135 today for a yearly subscription. The rental cost would be about $1 per game, and that would be limited to eight players of that game, and then the game would become inaccessible afterwards. Uh, so this was not especially good value for money, as uh, the same games that were available on GameLine were, uh, could be picked up in budget sections of most stores for $2.99 at that point. And GameLine did not acquire any licenses for the big publishers, even when things were really precarious in the industry, like uh, Atari, Activision, uh, Mattel and Parker Brothers just didn't want anything to do with them. So like in modern terms, that would be like thinking about Game Pass if they didn't have access to like Bethesda and things like that. But if you wanted to play Porky's the video game exactly eight <laughs> times, GameLine was the place for you. <laughs> Don't want to think about what that would entail. I, I'm, I'm, we won't do an episode on Parky's the video game. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yet. No. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so like a mixture of uh, lackluster roster, poor value for money, and the entire game industry collapsing meant GameLine and its uh, revolutionary approach to game distribution died the same year it launched. So the next major factor into the DLC, uh, as we know it today, was the advent of the expansion pack. This was the concept of DLC in its untapped form. It was physical media exclusively. Uh, additional content for existing games. Limited data distribution meant it couldn't. It, it could really be only done uh, physically. The first examples of this would have been the Dragon Slayer games. Um, one of the earliest examples was Xanadu Scenario 2 in 1984, which was an expansion pack for Dragon Slayer 2. The, uh, the fifth Dragon Sl- Slayer game called Sorcerian, I think I'm saying that right, in 1987, that would implement uh, episodic gaming, which um, you're releasing like small expansions like over a like, period of time. So like even episodic gaming wasn't isn't a new concept. Like, big franchises like Sonic the Hedgehog and Doom would like make use of expansions in the 90s, and the concept really took off in the early 2000s with like the RPG genre and uh, games like The Sims. Uh, over time, as the internet access grew and um, became more affordable, uh, data delivery system of GameLine it became more viable for big companies, and the combination of online distribution and expansion packs would merge as DLC. While uh, the idea of uh, existed in a raw form on PCs during the 90s for like games like Doom, it wouldn't become really like a mainstream thing until the early 2000s. The, the Sega Dreamcast was the first console that really made use of DLC. But it was the um, advent of the Xbox and Xbox Live in 2002 that made like, online gaming and DLC a global service for console gamers. And it's been going strong like ever since, like paving the way for episodic gaming becoming more 
accepted in mainstream, and Xbox Game Pass as examples. Sadly, uh, Bill Van Meester died May 1995, and he never got to see his vision fully realised. But he was something of a pioneer in the gaming like, industry in history, so he deserves to be credited as such. So this episode is in memory of him. Thank you, Bill. Oh, amazing. That's actually a really detailed history that I wasn't expecting. I, thought I wasn't just... either when I was researching. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I just thought thing it going on here. came to be. That's really cool. Well, thank you very much. See, we're all learning things on this podcast. To kick off our main discussion, um, I'm going to ask you all a nice, easy question. What is your favourite DLC expansion of all time? And Chip, I'll come to you first. Okay, cool. Uh, I don't play a lot of DLC, so this is going to be interesting. Chip! Good topic. (laughs) (laughs) I think, to be honest, it's going to be uh, Witcher 3, Hearts of Stone, and Blood of Wine, uh, both of them. Um, So I never played The Witcher until uh, just over a year ago, actually. With uh, you know lockdown and COVID and everything like that, I turned to video games as a coping mechanism, as I'm sure we all did. And I sank 250 hours into The Witcher 3, much like you with Stardew, Becky. Just sort of just played it nonstop mm. all day, anytime I could get to it, I did. And that's just the main game. And then because I bought the special edition Magic Super Awesome Uber Fantastic Edition for like seven quid because it was on sale, I got Hearthstone and Blood of Wine as well. And those DLCs, as I'm sure everyone will know, are games in themselves. Like the runtime is huge. Yeah, I have I have things to say about these. <laughs> Excellent. I'm looking forward to hearing those things. <laughs> um, and I think what I liked about them is they kind of did quite different things to a lot of the to the original game as well. You know, you got your usual monster hunting and stories and uh, all that sort of stuff. And that, like, but it's set in sort of new areas and new worlds and stuff. And you get things like you do the mission where everything looks like a painting and that just like completely blew my mind. Um, And you get to fight a big vampire uh, and it kind of, I don't know if I want to spoil kind of the ending of it, but like there's, uh, depending on your decisions and actions and stuff like that, you get kind of a nice resolution with uh, Geralt if you did kind of the right stuff. So I think just for sheer size and value of money and ambition, uh, I would say the heart zone and blood of wine. For Witcher 3 is my favourite. Did you get the good ending? <laughs> I did get the good ending. I got the very good ending. No children mm-hmm. murdered in the name of this uh, DLC? Not this time. I don't know if I did anything bad in The Witcher 3. I probably did something bad in The Witcher 3. But it did is you try and get a freeware with the two women? <laughs> uh, did I? <laughs> Maybe. You'd I remember, remember that. No, sure. I don't think so. Yeah, I know um, I tried to get with Triss, but because I turned her down when she was drunk... The game didn't let me do that. So I was uh, like, worry, game. Jesus Christ. Uh, so yeah, I was with uh, Yennefer at the end, uh, which is fine. She's fine. Team Marigold over That's here. Fine. <laughs> I did kiss her when she was drunk because apparently I have no... Becky! <laughs> My God, Becky. Well, the game invited you to and I like Triss more than Yen, so... I mean, I did That's as well, not going to hold up in a court of law. No, it's not. I don't think not, there's a lot but... in that game that's going to hold up in a court of law. Yeah. I mean, I've not of even all the, played like... it, and I think that... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, of all the dubious like gender politics at play in that game, I, I really feel like that's one of the minor ones. But that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Andy, what about you? Ooh, I'd probably go with uh, Red Dead Redemption's Undead Nightmare. I think that that took the game that I already knew and loved and transformed it into like zombie horror apocalypse. 
like it just turned the entire game on its head. It was just it was a perfect reimagining of that game. Uh, even your random encounters that you know quite a common factor in the Rockstar games of that era, they got tainted by that horror vibe. So you, um, I remember like distinctly a scene where I was coming across this man who was like weeping over the body of his friend who he'd, ob- he'd obviously just shot because he thought he was he'd gone crazy, and the friend gets up and tries to bite him. So the guy shoots the fella in the head, and then almost immediately he just puts the gun to his head and shoots his own head off. I was like, holy shit. It's like, it really creates this great, dark, like, creepy vibe. And I, I really like the uh, the fact that you could only kill the zombies by shooting them in the head. It's something most a lot of zombie games just seem to forget to do. And I really liked that attention to detail. And, like, I think that Undead Nightmare worked so well. Like, mixing the, like, supernatural and, like, the, the mythology with the Old West. It's something that Red Dead Redemption 2 would, like, incorporate into its main game. Like the bleak tone, the supernatural qualities, things like just kind of woven into the game. It's, it's just, yeah, it's just it's a perfect DLC, that. Yeah, that got mentioned a couple of times by uh, people commenting on Twitter when we asked for their questions and comments on DLCs. That I think it was like two or three times that came up. Very popular one. I like that in the Red Dead 2 as well, you, f- you find that town that is kind of a hint to the, the start of that as well. I thought that was quite a cool little Easter egg. Yeah. Would you guys like to see it in Red Dead 2? Like, would you like to see like them do Unde- Undead Nightmare 2? Oh, I'll get to that later. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> a little tease? Yeah. <laughs> I won't answer until Andy discusses that then. <laughs> Does it sound weird otherwise? <laughs> Sasha, what about you? I really struggled with this question because... The whole time since we said we were doing DLC, I've been trying to really think about what DLCs have I played, and I really come up short. <laughs> so, <laughs> mine is going to be probably very lighthearted and a little bit ridiculous, but it was the Lego Star Wars Force Awakens season pass um, extra levels, because I really loved the film uh, when it came out, uh, although these days I feel like the less said about Star Wars, the better, but... <laughs> at least publicly i don't i don't like to discuss it anymore because i'm so tired of it but it's a secret shame now yeah but the the lego star wars games i i mean i, I freaking love the lego games they just do so much for me in terms of why i enjoy gaming and collecting and having a dumb sense of humor and all the other good stuff but what they did with this it they some of the dlc it had levels that were between the force awakens and return of the jedi so it actually added to the lore as well like of the whole star wars they have one that's poe's quest for survival um so it's poe's journey back to the resistance base um after escaping the first order which you don't really see in the films you've got a first order siege of maz kanata's castle that's really cool and then um, escaping Starkiller Base as well. They were just little bits that they added in that they didn't need to. And it's a weirdly big game because the first Lego games like cover the first six films. And then this was a game that almost had the same amount of content. And yet it's just for Force Awakens. I can't wait for the, Sta- the Skywalker saga to come out, which I think is later this year, the Lego game. I just, I love them so much and anything extra that I can get. And then, of course, with the season pass, you also got things like the character packs. So you get all your favourite characters that weren't in The Force Awakens. <laughs> like I say, it's a bit sad, really, when you guys are like, ah, Red Dead and 
and The Witcher, no, no, really serious games that have these really big expansions. No, and I'm just Legos like, oh, my little legit. Lego level that only took don't, me about an hour. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't worry. Like, I've got a really, like, I've got quite a silly one as well. So really don't worry. Um, Lego's uh, legit. Let's not, yeah, let's yeah. not downplay Lego. Um, like, that, that, was a, that was a game changer though, when they started doing that. And we all know you, you're picketing the Lego offices regularly for the Batman games, so it's not. A I just want them yeah. on the new. For, I just want them on the new generation consoles. Is that too much to ask? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Lego Batman like was the first good Batman game in like decades. Yeah, so, it was. Yeah. What I like about the way you said that is it's like we were doing show and tell at school and like me, Becky and Andy brought in our new toys and you stood up and you had this little sock and and you were just like, oh, no, it's only a small sock. I wanted to show you. (laughs) But I love it and it's mine. Uh, No, man, Lego games are awesome. So, yeah, absolutely. Did they not do DLC for Nier? They they did, but I've not finished it yet. Um, And also it, it doesn't really fit into... Uh, the overarching story is just like arena type combat stuff oh, right. that you can do. Uh, okay. yeah. so it's can. fun. Yeah. I've been having fun doing it, but it's not. It it's meaningless in the grand scheme of Nia. Cool. As I mentioned, mine is a bit silly. It's I can't remember what it's called now. It's the Skyrim one, Hearthfire, where you can build Ooh. your own house. <laughs> yes. In Skyrim. That's not silly. That's not silly at all. Because. I loved, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I spend hours on games just like sorting out outfits and houses and how things look. I love that kind of stuff. I spend a lot of time on The Sims and it was like The Sims, but with dragons. Um, (laughs) And I I just really had fun. And I really liked the idea that you could like adopt kids as well and they'd bring their pets with them. And it was just really cute. You know, you're murdering people and beheading them left, right and centre, but you can come home and and sit by your own fire in your Daedric armor. Which, so yeah, I really enjoyed that one. And I will always build a house when I play Skyrim again, inevitably. Have you seen the uh, Gus Johnson video, like Skyrim house? Yes. 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 That's what I was thinking of when you were talking. Just like, I want to live in a Skyrim house. <laughs> yeah. And there was that thread about, there was a guy who like, adopted who ado- the dog or something. Yeah. And he tried to protect brilliant. the dog and he created a family to help keep the dog company and yeah <laughs> it's entirely inconsequential in the actual like scope of the game but i really enjoyed building all the houses i think that's a good example of dlc because it changes the game in like an interesting way very true it's not just like it's not just tacking on stuff that could have already been there it was something new yeah and i think like it sort of I, I think part of the problem with skyrim is the dragonborn character is quite blank for obvious reasons because you know it's a universal thing so you can create your own little story when you've got houses and things rather than just sort of being this chosen one figure which i think is quite nice as an expansion so i've got some um listener honorable mentions here so friend of the podcast foxy uh gave us an entire list um of course he did of course he did he's so prepared god damn it foxy (laughs) So we've got Diablo 2, Lord of Destruction, uh, Bioshock Infinite, Burial at Sea, which I wanted to play for this episode, but I never got round to it. I'm really looking forward to playing that one. Yeah, same. I never got I haven't played it either, and I love that game. Well, clearly we all have homework to do. (laughs) (laughs) For this episode? Yeah. (laughs) Yay! That works. One-up podcast, always prepared. And then Alpha Centauri, Alien Crossfire, XCOM 2, War of the Chosen, Half-Life Opposing Force, 
Red Alert 2, Yuri's Revenge, and Commander Conquer Generals, Zero Hour. So, yeah. Foxy's well on it with the expansion packs. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think of it as, you know, uh, in The Simpsons, when the carnival folks see Homer as a big pigeon, that's gaming companies with Foxy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy will buy it. <laughs> John O'Card, also a friend of the podcast, uh, said Dead, pa- Dead Space 2 had a fun expansion uh, called Severed, playing as a different character, but set during the main events of the game. Uh, so you're seeing things you've already done as Isaac Clark, and then you put destruction mostly. And there was a Northern Irish character in it, and Jono is Northern Irish, so representation matters, uh, everybody. So yeah, so we've got a few different ones. Um, we have had a question specifically about the Spider-Man DLC from uh, my friend Karis, who she is asking whether it's worth getting because she really enjoyed the main game. So I wanted to grab people's thoughts on that. I have played it, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's very good. It's um, I was really excited to uh, see the Black Cat. I'm a big fan of the Black Cat, yes. and it is good. It's quite tough in places um, compared to the main game, but it is very good, but not as good as the main game. Yeah. I would say about that. I would pick it up on sale maybe if you can. But the thing is, it's like I just love playing that game. Like I would just happily swing around the city for hours doing now. <laughs> and it's it, it's more of that. It's more of Spidey action. It's just not, the story's just not as strong as the main narrative, which is super strong. So, you know, it's a solid 7 out of 10. Yeah, the finale is quite weak. Like, the, the, the mm. early stuff with Black Cat's really strong, but it kind of peters out as it's going along. It's it's not essential, but if you do look like with Chip and everybody else, if you love playing that game, it's another reason to play more of it. So, it's, yeah, yeah I'd probably get it on a sale if it's available. Was that pun intended? What pun? You said Peter's out. <laughs> oh. Oh, no, that was, that was accidental. I'm not taking credit I'm going to guess that. no. <laughs> if it was intended, I probably would have said no pun intended. I'm wasted on you lot. I missed it entirely. I wonder what they were on about. Yeah, so I'm most of the way through the Black Cat section, because I love Felicia, um, so I was very excited to play that. I was a bit disappointed to see there's more of the grindy aspect in there. I think I'd have liked it just to have been story-based rather than have to do more crimes around the city and whatever Screwball's doing. Um, oh, fuck Screwball. <laughs> I hate Screwball. The Screwball yeah. stuff fucking sucks. missions are the fucking worst. As soon yeah, as she okay, popped no, up, I was DLC. like... Do not buy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, extreme. Sorry, I hate Screw. I hate her missions in that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I haven't done... Terrible. I did the first one when she first shows up and was just like, no, I'm not doing this. So I think I'm just going to play them <laughs> for the story rather than all the grindy stuff. Because, yeah, as soon as it was, like, five crimes in this district, I was like, no, not again. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm really enjoying, like, returning to the game and, like, finding, like, swinging around the city, like you said. It's just fun. And I like the the tension with MJ finding out about Felicia. That's quite fun. So, yeah, maybe in a sale, I think we're all saying. Yeah, in a sale, don't do the screwball mission. (laughs) (laughs) A sort of ringing recommendation? I don't know. Other honourable mentions uh, from you guys, like ones you've enjoyed playing or ones that you want to play? I do have one. Little Nightmares, the um, Secrets of the Moor. Oh, yes. The additional three levels that they added to the original game. So I I bloody loved Little Nightmares. I played it on stream, so I think quite a few of you watched me play it. Mm, Yeah. And scare myself (laughs) frequently with it. And then I played the DLC and... Not always as strong, but it's still a really good platform puzzler. 
but oh my god, did I like my brain break a little bit in the last like five, ten minutes when you learn who the character you're playing is in that yes. DLC. Oh broke. I think it broke me. When I was watching you on stream, <laughs> I clocked what was about to happen just before you did. It was like, no. <laughs> it was a lot. It- <laughs> I, it was unexpected. I, I think I must have missed this. Well, I guess if we just say it, spoilers for for anyone who, who might want to play it. So, you know, Skip in ahead. the first Little Nightmares, when she eats the the gnome thing. Oh, no. And then in the DLC, at the end, the, the character you're playing in the DLC gets turned into a gnome somehow. Oh no! And then she eats him. <laughs> she oh, eats no. him, Chip. And <laughs> I'm on stream, just having like a full-on meltdown. Like, <laughs> like I can confirm. In like the most like, I was just, I thought it was brilliant. I, I like horrible and grim, but like a really great twist. And as soon as you realise it's coming, there's nothing you can do. You're just watching, horrified. Like, oh no! Like, I got him to the end. Why? Yeah, it's it's a really effective trolling of the player. Like, yeah, I'm big super time. impressed that it pulled it off. Because it really is just in those last like couple of minutes when you realise what's about to happen. It's yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> One of the ones I wanted to mention was uh, the Baba Yaga uh, DLC in see if I remember Rise of the Tomb Raider, the second one. I really enjoyed yes. that one. That's great. Because, yeah, I love the folklore element and also like the actual environment that you have to traverse to get to her is really cool. And, yeah, I really liked that one. It's a fun little diversion. It feels very un-Tomb Raider as well, uh, at least for those ones. You know, they're all quite grounded in reality where this one's got opens up it up, yeah. uh, opens it up a bit more. And I didn't even know it was DLC. Like, it, I, again, I must have just bought like a super special fancy edition. Yeah. And it was just there, and I was like, ooh, what's this? And it wasn't until afterwards, I was like, oh, that was a DLC. That was really cool. I really like that. Yeah, same. I did the exact same thing, and like, I played through it. And I think I was trying to get the collectibles, so I looked at what they were, and then it was like the DLC, and I was like, oh, that's amazing. Like, it fits so seamlessly. <laughs> Surprise DLC. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Any others? One of my first ones, it's, it's another Rockstar game. It's uh, GTA 4's The Lost and the Damned and The Ballad of Gay Tony. These like they offered like new perspectives on the world of Liberty City, which was like a game I just like GTA Four. I just sunk so much time into. I was obsessed with it. So like this, these two different DLCs they gave you a look at the world of uh, the biker gangs and also the cutthroat world of like the nightclub scene in Liberty City, and they added a lot of extra depth to the world of GTA Four. Like added new uh, gaming mechanics. And it was already like an impressively detailed world and like just standard brilliant world building from rockstar and but like the best part of those dlcs was um each dlc had a mission that intersected with a mission that you play in the main game it was the diamond sale that takes place in a museum so uh it was i think it's called museum piece in gta 4 the mission was called collector's item in lost in the damned and not so fast in the ballad of gay tony so it makes up like a trilogy of missions it's the same story from three different perspectives and I thought that was just a really cool idea of like building on the chaos that you experience in the first game. It's just, oh, yeah, I, I wish they'd more like game DLC did things like that, just like played around with your expectations. It was, it was a really 
yeah, I, I love both of those games. I wish Rockstar would do more story DLC. Yeah, they, for that's GTA. yeah, I wish. Just fucking, I, I don't, mean, I don't think we're going to get that ever again. Never, no. GTA Online's the future now. We make our own stories in GTA Online. Yeah, yeah. Famously, oh, do we? Yeah, man. <laughs> we we could do a fucking podcast episode just on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no one would want to listen to that. Just chaos, start to finish, and explosions. And some weird family that we've built in our minds. Yeah. Let's move on. Chip, please. <laughs> no elaboration. <laughs> well, one more I want to talk about is um, The Last of Us Left Behind. Oh, yes. This this is one idea I thought that we might both have this. No, I I, I didn't name this one. Oh, I, I okay. thought you might mention okay, it, so cool. I left it. Um, but that's just... I mean, I love The Last of Us. I, I'm looking forward to, at some point in the future, doing an episode on that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... I love Left Behind because it just adds so much like character to Ellie. You know, she's she's really well developed anyway. But getting to see her, you know, before she meets Joel, it's also super sad when you see how she changes from that DLC to where she ends up at the end of The Last of Us Two. But it, it was great playing as her uh, before we got a chance to do it properly in The Last of Us Two, um, and that's really really great. It takes all the good stuff from uh, The Last of Us and just gets you more time with Ellie, which is always a good thing because she's great. It adds uh, some new mechanics as well, which The Last of Us 2 made use of, like the use of sound mm. as like a distraction method, because yes. obviously Ellie can't throw down like Joel can, so they, they found new ways to make you, like added more strategy to the game, which was like something The Last of Us Part 2 does really well, that op- opens up the combat completely, so that, that was a really cool detail as well. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's much harder when you're, you know, you go from wanting to protect Ellie to as Joel to actually play in a third and feeling more responsibility to keep her safe. Yeah. No dickhead run of The Last of Us then for you, Chip. <laughs> no, I, it'll break me. <laughs> There's no way. You, you did so well with the dead. Break you as all. <laughs> oh, did you not see me at the end of the first season, Becky? Yes. <laughs> you made me cry. <laughs> yeah, it broke me. Um, so you you've both kind of touched on it. Like I wanted to talk about, you know, what do we look for in DLC expansions? What kind of things do we want to see? What should they be doing well? Because Andy, I think you mentioned it just then about like deepening your understanding of an environment or offering you different perspectives. That's like what I look for really. I want to see the world slightly differently and you know see what the characters are going to get up to in a different setting rather than retreads yeah that that kind of ties into my other honorable mention uh hitman they um the first hitman reboot it did a dlc campaign called patient zero which took all of the maps from the pre the, the first game and like used them in a completely new story like provided new challenges, like insights into those like brilliant design worlds. It just they give you more like give you more value from those like like worlds that you got to explore and like uses like they're just like these big puzzles you had to solve. And that like Hitman also introduced uh, what's it called elusive targets, whereas like they would be like online like um, one shot missions. You only had one attempt to get it right, and if you failed, you could never play it again. And uh, I'll always love that because it introduced the mission where you had to hunt down Gary Boosie in Sapienza. I was wondering if you were going to mention this. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. I spent like I spent like about an hour just walking behind him, listening to him talk. 
is just like ranting about like thinking he, could, he saw predators on the rooftop and wanting to call uh, Danny Glover Mr. Musk. And like then he met Gary Cole, I think, and he just started howling like a wolf. And I was like, this is the best game ever. And then I, I, I did actually successfully kill him. I, I threw a, a rubber duck at him and I exploded it. And then I ran away quickly. Yeah, you don't want an enraged Gary Busey chasing after you. It was one of my slick hitman runs. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, I didn't want to anger Gary Busey. I thought better, better to make sure he's dead. <laughs> yeah, I remember you messaging me about that when you were playing it and just how enthusiastic you were. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. I think you kept quoting him as well, like just sending me messages of, like <laughs> random shit Gary Busey was saying in the game. It just feels like he walked into the recording booth, just sat down, like threw the script to the side and just started talking. <laughs> and he's like, you know what, fuck it. The other, I think the last one I wanted to honourably mention would be Dishonored, Knife of Dunwall. Ooh, yeah. You know, we're talking about what we look for in DLCs and that for me, it's it's stories. And like you guys said, is anything that kind of changes the world, changes the perspective, you know, adds a new element to the game. And, you know, in, in I'd never played this. I absolutely love Dishonored. And so uh, I, for some reason, never got around to the DLC. I think just mainly because I'm not a big DLC buyer. So when I decided I was going to replay it uh, a couple of months ago, um, a lot of that was like, because I want to play the DLC, oh, it sounds really cool. So getting to play as a new character and you have different abilities. So, it, you know, it's, it's the same gameplay, but your tactics have to change. Um, and I found it a lot harder because I was like, no, I just like to be able to stealth behind people and choke them out. But it's a lot more difficult this time because you're playing as someone else. Um, and I haven't actually finished it yet. I started playing Assassin's Creed because I wanted a break from Dishonored. Um, so I need to go back and finish that. But yeah, so far has been very, very good. So you'll go back to it in about three years when you finished Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Tune in, guys. <laughs> Many episodes down the line. Yeah, Sasha, if, if if you're faced with the option of, of grabbing hold of a DLC, what what do you look for? What what entices you? I think you've all kind of said it. It's that whole, you know, it should be new, but also delineate itself from the main game. So whether that's, you know, new story or you know, getting further embedded in an environment. I like it when when it makes sense within the story, but also... I guess it definitely shouldn't be essential to the main mm. game because then that's that's them making main game stuff behind a paywall, isn't it? But like when I think of it's like Tiny Tina's Dungeons and Dragons, um, or Tiny Tina's Wonderland, which is of course now getting its actual own game. I yes. didn't even know that was DLC. So my experience with DLC a lot of the time is where I've just bought complete editions of games and not even really known and honestly not even necessarily really cared <laughs> i just like you know if it's a game i've liked i just like playing it and then someone will go like with the tiny tina's dungeons and dragons a bit i've been like oh that was dlc i had no idea <laughs> like i just played it so yeah i think it's just things as long as it's adding to the story but it i guess like say it shouldn't be essential i not that I'm stingy or anything like that, but I, I don't... I think there is a perception of extras and things just being kind of like money grabs. So the, the only other time I can think of DLC, if it's not important to a story, is a game where certainly two versions ago, or maybe even one version ago, I bought many expansions Is The Sims. <laughs> oh god, you tell me yep. about it. The Sims 2... I spent so much of my pocket money at the time <laughs> buying expansions too. 
and Sims 3 I think was out when I got my first proper job so then I was spent most of my salary <laughs> salary <laughs> wage uh, most of my wage on <laughs> buying like the extra expansions and it was because like I want pets and <laughs> I want I want to date people <laughs> yes and I want to be a DJ apparently or <laughs> like whatever random fucking shit they add to that game <laughs> and but at the same time I got the Sims 4 in a, in a one of the recent Steam sales and I was looking and all of those expansions are really expensive mm. so I'm kind of picking and choosing what I want what appeals so it there's so much out there now and my backlog is so huge that if I finish the game and then I'm looking at DLC, I have to really want, I have to have really enjoyed the game and I have to really want to expand on that and also have to have heard other people saying that it's worth it. Yeah. Like it's worth the time and the money because otherwise I'm like, eh, I'll just move on to something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I dread to think how much money I've sunk into The Sims over the years. <laughs> Like, I just would not want to see that all in one place, especially when it's for things like the Haunted House Pack, mm. because I have a brand <laughs> and I stick to it. <laughs> Sorry, Becky, I'm just envisioning you as the pigeon now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am. Yeah, 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 just rubbing their hands. It's fair. It's fair. I am, I am the Sims pigeon. <laughs> Sims pigeon. Yeah, so we'll talk about cost in a bit, because that was one of the things that came up quite often with comments from uh Twitter followers and listeners. But just on the flip side, what are DLC expansions that you've played, either as part of complete editions or you bought on a whim that you haven't enjoyed so much, and why? The big one that comes to mind for me is Arkham Knight. I mean, there's a lot to love about Arkham Knight. There's there's quite a lot to not love. <laughs> but the uh, Seasons of Infamy DLC was absolute bullshit. Previous Arkham DLC, it's been like condensed scenarios with like new characters, get like new environments like plays around with the, the gameplay style but with new like new trappings they were always really fun getting to play with new characters in this play style but uh, the seasons of infamy uh, pass it was literally just the rogue based side missions that in the main game but like these were chopped out and then sold back to you like it was stuff that should have been in the game to begin with it had there was it wasn't a story in its own right they were all completely independent to each other you just download it and it just slots back into the game where it belonged in the first place. So it's just stuff like the uh, like the Riddler and Man Bat missions in the main game. It's just stuff like that, but they were they were all a lot worse. They were it was the shittier versions of all those things that were in the main game. Like, but they sold them back to you, and they didn't. They thought they could get away with that. Ooh. It's really frustrating when games do that. Like just taking something that you should have been yours for the price you paid because you already paid way too much for a video game to begin with. And then they just take stuff out and then they try and like sneak it back to you and ask for more money. Yeah, that's shitty. That's really shitty. I think I'd probably like write an angry letter at that point. Like that would drag me over the line of, you know, a concerned email. Like, this is travesty. So Chip, I think I'm going to upset you with one of my choices. Excellent. So I liked Blood and Wine when it came to The Witcher 3 because that was fun. That sounds great. I could not stand Hearts of Stone. (laughs) I was so bored <laughs> and was just like, I'd sunk so many hours into The Witch 3 by that point. I was like, no, I am getting through this DLC. I am doing it. And I, yeah, I really struggled with Hearts of Stone. It was so long and so dreary and really similar to like what came before, apart from like a couple of the the sequences. Yeah, I found it such a, like, a trudge. 
apart from the wedding scene, I think was the only bit I actually enjoyed. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, I, that's I think so that's good. Fair, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, you, I like, know how um, you are about The Witcher. So. Yeah, but like Blood and Wine was something new, whereas Hearts of Stone was more of the first game. Yeah. It, it, was, it took place in the same map. It could have been played like parallel to the main story if you got it early enough. It just added more to that game rather than giving you something new, which is what Blood and Wine did. And that's why that felt so refreshing to like jump into this whole new environment, this new culture, taking this new story, like completely separated from all of the stuff with the Wild Hunt. It just yeah. it felt fresh and it kind of rejuvenated my interest in The Witcher 3 at that point. Yeah, and, and Geralt got a house that you could decorate, which, as we've discussed, really appeals to my interests. <laughs> and a, a winery I really enjoyed less. doing that. Yeah, it was so. Every time I went back after something had been done up, I was like, oh, it looks so nice. It's so fancy. (laughs) I got upset because there wasn't room for more armor. Yeah. Because I had so much armor at that point, and I was like, I want to display them all. Yeah, every time I got like a fancy sword that I didn't, like, I wasn't going to use because it was too low a level or anything, I'd be like, "Mm, I'm going to display this on my uh, weaponry. (laughs) (laughs) You're going in my bathroom. (laughs) Welcome to the guest room. Ooh. Yeah, so I really enjoyed that one. Um, I didn't like that. So I missed out on the trip to, is it like a Wonderland style thing? Because of the decisions I made. I, I think that should have been built into the the main story anyway, that you went off into that fantasy bit, diversion. But yeah, otherwise Blood and Wine I liked. Hearts of Stone was not a fan. And I think I'd have been a bit peeved had I bought that rather than buying it as part of the Game of the Year edition. We've had a listener question on this as well. Karis asks, have you ever bought a DLC and then suddenly wondered why? It would be Arkham Knight probably again. (laughs) I'm not enjoying myself here. Why did I get more of this? Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) I bought the complete edition of The Witcher 3, so I guess I bought that DLC. And Since then I'm wondering why I bought the game at all, because all (laughs) anyone tells me is that that I don't think it's your kind of game, Sasha. No. It's No. (laughs) It's very open world. Like yeah. huge. Oh, it's the very, yeah. very oh, enormous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the openest of worlds. Oh, I kinda wanna pick it for an episode now just so we have to make Sasha play it. <laughs> yeah, we have to book it like a two years in advance or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we would. Yeah. I would not replay it for that. I no. I don't look I don't know how many hours I put into it, but I was so like witched out by the end of it, I think. I've I've luckily I've n- I've never bought them, but the amount of times that you see ac- aesthetic things to buy, like The Sims again, you kind of it seems par for the course at this point with them. They'll release DLC for anything. But <laughs> so you mentioned Nia earlier, and I'm I'm pretty sure there's versions of where you can like get different outfits for them. Like why? Mm. Why would I pay extra money for that? Um, I don't know. Maybe again, this is just me being stingy northerner. I don't know. But I'm like, this are the like outfits that you can buy for The Last of Us. I don't know. I could be making this up, but that's the kind of idea. I can't think of any specific off the top of my head. But like stuff that's really inconsequential, and it'll be like four ninety nine. Like fall, fall guys. You get all of the outfits in the game that you can win kudos points and crowns for and stuff but then they have those every time where they release a set of outfits that you can only buy as dlc and on the one hand i want to be like yeah let's support a small developer although i imagine they're a lot bigger now (laughs) on the other hand like six quid man for outfits (laughs) that are yeah it's a couple of coffees there 
that are giving one coffee that are doing nothing and especially in a game like that i mean how often do you stick with the same outfit yeah like like, i would never be able to stick with one long enough to make it worth the payment it's just inconsequential aesthetic stuff i think it just always makes me roll my eyes a bit because it just feels like really shameless cash grab more so than some of the other stuff which leads us really nicely into our next section on cost well done sasha most i would say of the questions that we had from listeners when we harangued them into sending us something was around the idea of cost so we had uh liam the mason say he very rarely buys them out of principle um because a number of the games he plays will release a complete edition 12 months after release and paying an extra 10 to 20 pounds on top of a 50 pound game is probably a bit much we had should pointless DLC be capped on price from Creeper223? To which I would probably respond, how do we class pointless? Like, I don't, um, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Um, has the amount of paid DLC ever put you off buying full price great game? And there was another one as well, like, do we think that DLC should be capped? So I'll kick us off with that one. Do we think there should be a price cap on DLC? I mean, yeah, because otherwise they could charge you like, like a full game price for like something that lasts like 10 hours or something mm. i mean some people some triple a games do that but yeah if they're like a game you've already paid for it should there should be like a i'm not, not sure entirely what i would cap it at it'd probably be like relevant to how much game you're getting i guess because like the the witcher expansions were really like dirt cheap compared to what you got for them yeah so like i will that, concede that was, they were like, that's a very money. rare bargain you got in dlc that was like CD Projekt Red just like throwing you a bone. I I always felt like something had gone wrong in the checkout point where I was buying my buying the expansions. <laughs> like this can't be right. They're gonna find out something. I'm I'm gonna be in trouble. Yeah, you do get a lot of game for your money with those ones. Yeah, pro- I don't know. Probably no more than like half the price of whatever the game cost originally on release. Can't see it got anything over that being acceptable. Yeah, and I think, like, for that price, I'd expect, like, a lot extra as well. Yeah. You know, like Sasha was saying, I wouldn't want to, like, spend that much money on aesthetic stuff, which I guess is probably where the pointless DLC idea creeps in. You know, the idea it's not actually anything to do with gameplay, it is just aesthetics. Yeah, it's just, like, armour and, like, weapon skins and stuff, like, mostly pointless. Mm. Yeah, I would never touch a cosmetic DLC, I'd just, like... I don't care if it was worth having. I would. It would have been with the main game. Yeah, and that kind of links into the whole play to win idea of online games as well. You know that certain amazing armor or weaponry is only available to those who could afford to buy it, which sucks. Yeah, like loot boxes. Yes. That completely sank uh, Star Wars Battlefront Two because it was so heavily reliant on loot boxes, and anybody who refused to pay more than they'd already paid originally was getting screwed and it just absolutely sank a really good game's reputation because EA got greedy they did a really good job of like fixing their reputation afterwards with a lot of free updates like like extra content that was never initially promised but it should have never got to that stage it should have never been a, a thing like where they just locking people out of progression through like that kind of predatory practice. I really can't stand loot boxes. It fucked up uh, Middle Earth Shadow of War as well, which is a game I loved for like 90% of the time. And then 
in the end game section, it's like heavily reliant on grinding to like level up your armies. And like it takes forever. You can make a load of progress and then suddenly you lose in one area and you have to start over again. Yeah. So they kind of encourage you to buy loot boxes to improve your armies. And it completely, yeah, I just gave up on the game at that point. And then I was told they removed the loot boxes, but they didn't fix the, the grind aspect. So it just became a, a endless chore God. and it ruined a really great game. It was really disappointing. That's why I haven't played that game. I really like the first one but I heard so many bad things about the sequel in that regard that I was just like, I cannot be asked with this and I'm not giving them more money, so I'm just not going to play yeah. it. Same, that was pretty much yeah, my exact thought process as well because I loved the first one so much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm not... I don't want to pay extra to complete a game I've already paid for. That's... Like, why? Why Why is that a viable business model? Because <laughs> people will pay it. <laughs> I know, but why? Don't pay it. I'll pick it, that one. Yeah, if we all just teamed up, we could have finished this quickly. I mean, people did team up on EA with Star Wars Battlefront. They like basically shamed them into like dropping the loot boxes, which was nice. Yeah, a bit of a game is actually doing something useful for once. I don't think. Was it um, in Belgium where they banned loot boxes, or is that is it's, that just in FIFA somewhere? Like, oh yeah, no, one, yeah. One, one country. Pretty did sure it's Belgium. It Belgium. Which I think is really great because the FIFA, like FIFA, makes so much money, or EA, I guess, makes so much money from Ultimate Team, yeah, uh, with the packs and just, I mean, you know, it's it's it is a form of gambling because uh, I know there's regulations in place now where they're supposed to show you the odds and stuff like that, but it's still gambling because yeah. gambling has odds, and I like, would never do that. Like, okay, yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of aesthetic packs for games and stuff like that, and yeah, it's fine. Like, I, it's not for me. But if you want to pay that, it's your money, so go for it. I mean, it's how Fortnite makes so much money. Um, but loot boxes are just the fucking worst and oh, just a plague on the industry. Yes, agreed. Also, I, like, I... on the flip side of like cost and stuff, there's also like free DLC. That's like a pretty big thing, especially with like live service games. Are we gearing up to you ranting about the Avengers? I, I need to get this off my chest so we won't do an episode <laughs> on it. I mean, we still might. But sure, go for it. I, I will quit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, bad DLC, Avengers, F- fucking Avengers. So that that I hated that game on release. Like, I uh, yeah, it, it it wore me down and broke my spirit because I was I, I wanted to like it, but it was bad. And anyway, like the, all the support they've had since, it's just been adding new characters. Which you know, adding new stuff is fine if it's actually changing the face of the game but avengers just adds like asset flips everything's just like a reskin of another character and that was already like rampant in the main game you had like so many characters who were just exactly the same just changed the aesthetic and then they end up fucking releasing two hawkeyes in a row and thinking we won't fucking notice <laughs> what they're doing fucking uh yeah but it's just it's it the problem with live service it demands like so much of your time on a gameplay loop that's not very good in the first place and all you're getting out of it is like paint jobs <laughs> it's just plain lazy there's like gta online would be a good example of live service support they're like constantly expanding how you play that game they're adding new mechanics new experiences uh, the heists the races arena wars just like new side jobs to make money new businesses adding nightclub management of all things <laughs> and that game is massive now compared to what it was on release 
and it's it's all like it's just building on the core of gameplay loops and built adding new ones and it's just really interesting not every time you come back it's something new whereas marvel's avengers is just offering you that same blandness every single time they're just changing the packaging it's basically just malibu stacy in a new hat <laughs> but she has a new hat and people well not a lot of people fall for it because the player base is basically fucked but they're going to have to give that thing away for free eventually to actually get anything out of that. Well, they already have been doing haven't they? Wasn't it um, one of the PlayStation exclusives? Yeah, PS Now. It was a PS Now yeah, thing. Yeah, PS Now, that was it. And it's always on sale for half price. Cause yeah, I noticed that. You can't like, give that thing away. Should I? But no, I don't, I don't know. I think no, the I only w- time I would... I'd play it is if we did decide to torture you with an episode. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I, I wrote so many words in my review. I, I'm done. That 4 out of 10 is all you need it's done it's over I like that we're already starting to pick games that are just to troll everyone yeah. else <laughs> yeah I'm good I've got it off my system now you, I'm good. you're good you're okay yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, sure? well I'm never, I'm never going to be okay I played Marvel's Avengers but <laughs> for, for now I'm, I'm fine oh the horror okay so one last question from the audience what is the best distance between a base game and DLC uh, and that's from Construct Glue on Twitter. When we talk about distance, are we talking about time? Are we talking about concept? I guess time. Are we t- <laughs> it's how far you are from your PS4. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer it to be two meters, thank you. Um, I, I don't know, what do you want distance to mean? It's an interesting idea, isn't it? Because I think DLC strategy has changed in the last five years or so. And I think it's about to change again. But I feel like the only time where I've been really consciously aware of DLC has been season passes uh, that tend to last like six months or even up to a year. Uh, so I had it for Fallout 4. Weird that that never came up <laughs> earlier and even until just now where I was like, oh yeah, I did have the season pass for Fallout 4. I had it for the Lego Star Wars game. I know they released one for Borderlands 3, which is a game I've still not got yet, but I, I love for the previous Borderlands. So that's like a commitment, isn't it? from developers to say over the next six months or whatever we will keep releasing stuff and if you've paid your 20 quid or whatever for the season pass you'll get that stuff you won't need to buy it separately but obviously the risk there is that you don't know what you're getting but i guess in terms of time i would think anything within a year seems all right except for like live service type games and obviously like big massive multiplayer online whatever's that have been going for about a century you know i think you kind of forget about them otherwise if like they're releasing a game a dlc that's 18 months after the original game it's a bit like oh we've yeah. done from that now <laughs> i mean not me i play games years after they come out but you know what i mean <laughs> at the point when they're relevant yeah i think i think like a, a year would be ideal like for, for like, like live service games you'd need new content like every six months maybe Something like that, three to six months. But for like just a normal game, I'd want like with the season pass thing, I'd either want like regular small updates like over the course of like six months, or if it's gonna be a big expansion, like maybe a year away from release. Like I'm I'm still waiting for all those Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven expansions that were promised, but they need to fix the game before yeah, that I was happens. Say, I think we've got bigger fish to fry just at the moment. Yeah, but like The Witcher Three did it, it was about a year or so after the release of the original game but they've released a lot of free stuff before then 
like uh, extra extra quests, uh, new hairstyles, like the updated all the fight animations, all that stuff was for free, just to, like tide you over until the uh, the big expansions were released. So I think like a year, I'd be willing to wait a year for like a, a really substantial update, but not much further because at that point I would be thinking about leaving, moving on to something else. But then I think if you think talking concept, oh god. <laughs> it, it, that's a whole other kind of thing. I don't even know where you're going with this, so yeah. <laughs> but like, it has to be close enough to the game because there's a reason you play. If if you've got the DLC, there's a reason you got it. You liked your base game. It's got to be close enough. But then it also can't be. Well, it can't be a reskin. It can't be a retread. It can't. It oh, can't I be the it, same yeah. thing yep. you've already played, mm. but just like a little bit different. Because I imagine that's really disappointing as well. Yeah, I wouldn't want to play a game I'd really enjoyed to suddenly discover the DLC is something entirely different. Or exactly the same. Like, you can't go either way too far because, like, you get bored of the exact same thing, but if it's so radically different, you're like, this isn't what I wanted. It needs to be just new enough. It's it's the Goldilocks of game content. Yes. Just right. (laughs) Blood and Wine is basically the perfect porridge (laughs) (laughs) my example for that would be uh, the arkham city one where you play as robin i really enjoyed that because it was so compact they did some good ones yeah arkham city did some really good dlcs yeah so it's the harley quinn one which yeah i really enjoyed not only because you got to spend a bit more time with harley but also um yeah playing as robin and having like new things to interact with the environment it wasn't too radically different. It also wasn't too long, which seems to be a big thing for me. Like, I like my DLC quite compact. I'd like to flip that round a second, because thinking about that question got me thinking about a game that I have played that came out that I think should have been DLC, not a new game. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was the 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 new Spooders game. Ooh. Which I know none of you guys have oh, played. Oh, Miles Morales, yeah. The Miles Morales game, yeah. And I'm not gonna, I won't obviously go into any details. Yeah, don't brag about playing a PlayStation 5. Because <laughs> I would kill you. You'd have to catch me first. <laughs> I know where you live. That is a worrying statement to make. In that turn, <laughs> on a podcast, <laughs> where there's Carrying a gun. witnesses. <laughs> I'll, I'll cut that out. <laughs> I took my headphones off, I didn't hear anything. Leave me alone, Chip. But yeah, like, that's a game that came out that was, what, a couple of years after the original, the OG, and it came out, obviously, as a full-price game, in spite of the fact that it's the story itself is probably, I would say, less than half as long as Spider-Man. And yeah, it probably fits into this thing of what is the best distance between a base game and DLC, not just from time, but also from concept and stuff. It's obviously got enough new and you get into play as a new character and that's all really cool. But there is that thing afterwards where I'm really glad that I didn't pay full price for it, is what I'm going to say. I'm really glad that I got the opportunity to play it, that somebody else owned it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I actually totally get all of the comments that came out around the time where people were like, wait, that's it. Why was this 50, 60 quid? It's, I guess it's kind of flipping that on its head. I, like, again, around that distance between base game and DLC. Like, I think they released it as a new game just because of the amount of time that had happened between the two. 
And because obviously, yeah, it was Miles Morales and absolutely he does deserve his own game and he deserves his own stories. But I still think it either should have been price pointed better or it, it could have just been a really good interim DLC because there are other examples of those. Yeah. Where the DLC is so big. Well, you've mentioned them on this podcast where the DLC is so big that it's practically a game in and of itself anyway. Mm. But then people don't feel ripped off by it when it's like, oh, but it is still really similar to the original in a lot of aspects. It's just new story and stuff, you know? That's interesting, that. Like, thinking of games that should have been just been a DLC expansion. I'm trying, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's been a few where they just released something that wasn't substantial enough to justify being its own thing, and that that's a problem. Like, DLC should like justify existing in the first place, but games should also justify not being DLC. Well, if we're going back to the original question... I don't care. <laughs> uh, wait, can I put that nicer? I don't mind. I don't. I'll cut I don't out. care. I don't mind about the time between DLCs and the main game. I don't know why this is my new voice. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a lot of the time, if I'm going to pick up a DLC, it'll be for a game that I really like and I want more of that story. Uh, see Spider-Man, which is a game that I pre-ordered and then bought the DLC and played them. You know, as soon as they came out, because they, I think they came out in about three parts um, across the next few months. So I got those right away. But yeah, like I said at the start, like for the most part, if I pick up a game on sale, uh, I'll maybe tend to pick up, you know, the big expansion, super duper, mega, awesome, fantastic edition uh, so I can get those DLCs included. And then I don't feel like so much that I've paid for DLC that I don't like. It's there if I want to play it or, you know, it or not. So yeah, I, I don't really mind. I'm not really too fussed about times and uh, how that works in terms of DLC and the base game. Yeah, I think it would probably depend on the game for me as to how quickly I wanted something extra afterwards and how long I was prepared to wait for something. I'm trying to think of an example, really. Um, but again, I, t- I tend to buy the, the super duper fantastic awesome and all the other words that Chip used versions of games. So the DLC tends to already be there. Hmm, I'm trying to think. I'm sure there's there's definitely an example. But I think for some of my favourite games, so like Horizon Zero Dawn, if they decided to release a DLC now for the first game on top of the Frozen Wilds to bridge the gap until Forbidden West, I would absolutely buy that um, because I love that game <laughs> for next month's podcast, incidentally, everyone. So I think, you know, for something like that, it wouldn't matter how long between the release of the original game and the DLC. I think I'd still probably get it anyway, but probably for a base game that I wouldn't necessarily enjoy as much. I wouldn't be as bothered. It also it would come down to how much you trust the developer as well. Like oh, massively. Like with with The Witcher Three, like with CD Projekt Red at the time, I was like, yeah, just take as long as you need. Like I trust you're gonna be you're, you're not gonna let me down. Like things that age poorly. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, no, I, I love Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Obviously, a whole lot of fucking stuff happened. The irony. So yeah, there's like, like if Naughty Dog said they were gonna do a uh, Last of Us Part Two expansion, I'd be happy to wait like a couple of years. Because I just trust them. I know it'd be worth it. I'd be willing to wait because I don't want to go through <laughs> any of that ever again. Hang on. Isn't you, aren't you picking The Last of Us for the episodes? Aren't they your choices? Yeah, and I'm not looking forward to experiencing all the trauma again. Okay. He's just flagellating himself. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember playing that on my, my 24-hour stream. It was my first game and it made me cry within 10 minutes. Yep. I was like, well, this is a cracking start to my 24 hours of gaming. I'm crying in the first 10 minutes. Yay. It is a great opening. 
not looking forward to seeing that remade with Pedro Pascal. Yes. That's going to break me. Oh, Pedro, we love you. Poor Alpha Daddy. <laughs> oh. But can you date him? Maybe Try. that's what we need. We need a daddy dating Pedro Pascal DLC. Yeah, just all of his characters are <laughs> dateable <laughs> options. Hey, the the daddy daddy dating game, it obviously had DLC because I'm playing the Dad Rector's Cut. Oh, so yeah. it has new stuff. Right. I don't know what it oh, is. Oh, it was in director. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it kind of... Sasha's thing broke up for me there, and it said "Dad Rector." And I was like, <laughs> no, that's literally what, what it's called. It's called. Yeah, but it, there was like a, the dad there, was like a <laughs> there was like a break between I think "dad" Sasha's and then "rector." Like wordplay is here. Erections. There we go. Boner. Chip, can you just edit that out for the trailer? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Excellent. All right. So for one last question. I thought it would be quite fun um, to ask this of you. If you could have any DLC of any game in any era, what would it be and why? And Sasha, I'll come to you first. I don't know that I have anything. And I know that that's like a proper cop out. but <laughs> Only slightly. And it... and, and No, but it, it absolutely is. But I think, again, it plays into how I play games and as a gamer i don't play games when they come out i wait there's been in the last 10 years i think two maybe three games that i bought when they came out i feel like dlc just isn't really like a huge thing for me um if you're gonna ask me like games that i've loved but the games that i've loved truly loved as much as i would always be like i would love you know i could spend so much time with max and chloe in life is strange and yet, at the exact same time, I wouldn't want any more than what I got because I think it's perfect as it is. And thinking of other games where I feel that that strongly, like Batman Arkham Asylum, I think it's perfect as it is. I love that game as it is. And I guess that's probably where I'm getting at. All the games that like I that I love, wherever I think I could have extra, but also I love them exactly as they are and I don't know what that extra would be. A, a cop-out, but I think like... I have my reasons. Because... <laughs> no, it's, it's a justified cop out. I'll allow it. Because, because yeah, the, I can't, I can't think at all. And I have been thinking about this for days. I can't think of a single game where I think I want more of it, where I don't have enough of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, Andy, what about you? It'd be Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah. I like. Give me an expansion like where you get to play Sadie Adler as a bounty hunter. Uh, give me the sequel to Undead Nightmare to like turn that whole world into like a, an apocalyptic zombie game. Uh, even just fucking add heists to Red Dead Online. I, I don't care. I just want more reasons to return to that game, which I return to all the time anyway. I just just give me more. I, it's one of those things. It's complete opposite of what Sasha's saying. I I just want more of that game, and more of those characters. Yeah, just, I'm, yeah I, I couldn't get enough, honestly, of that. I'm with you on that. That that was going to be my choice. I did think of something like a Crash Bandicoot, like, easy run, where, like, you could actually do some of the more difficult levels and there aren't any jumps or anything for you to In get Red wrong. Red Redemption 2. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be real. I'd like to see what some of the levels look like when I'm not like, fuck's sake. But yeah, I think Red Dead Redemption 2, maybe spend some more time with... Sadie, for example, or Charles, or um, any of the characters, really, I would, I would happily 
play that game forever. And Red Dead Online, definitely. I'm really hoping they put enough effort into it that it gets to the the status that GTA Online um, has got, because there are so many things that you could do with Red Dead Online. It'd be really nice for the our characters, the Top Hat Gang, to ride again and have things to do um, in that. So yeah, that that would be mine too. I think I fall. You know, I'm going to go back to the Goldilocks uh, metaphor here. I'm I'm kind of in the middle between uh, Sasha and Andy. You know, I'm 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 the porridge that has the right amount of bare hair in it. Um, bare hair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, why is the um, fur in there in the first? Yeah. What's going on? What what, oh, what story you, did you read? What you, you've clearly not eaten food where animals have been around. I... Yeah, but there's no point. There's no point in that story where like she's mentioning hair. Unless. That's in the DLC version of it. <laughs> nice if there was done. any, they, they, they must have taken it out before they started eating. <laughs> what I'm getting at <laughs> is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, give me that fishing rod. Right, here we go. So uh, I would love to see Undead Nightmare 2 for Red Dead. Um, personally, I would like to see Sadie be the main character of the next Red Dead, because so, that would be amazing. I would love a full story also, with yes. her. But also, I... <sighs> One of my main issues with DLCs is like if it's good enough story to just put it in the main game, and if it's not, then or or a sequel, you know, just I, these kind of bridging stories that are just there to add an extra price tag on. And you know, I had played a lot of DLCs that I do like, but uh, there is that kind of cynical side of me that thinks that they are there just to rinse another twenty quid out of you or something. So I I'm more than happy if people just want to save stuff for a sequel, put it in the original game. There's there's not really too many games apart from Undead Nightmare Two, which would be awesome. That I, I I'm happy with how they are, and uh, yeah, much like Sasha, I'm okay with it. Very diplomatic. <laughs> but about that bear fur. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to read your version of fairy tales. Any final thoughts? I think just like DLC should like it shouldn't just be more of the same. It should be. It should justify existing. It shouldn't be something that you could have just had in the original game. It should be feel like a new experience. Like it should feel like something that you you could only get as DLC, like uh, Undead Nightmare, something like that. But you could. There's no way to incorporate that into the game, and it should definitely be a reasonable price point. Like it should there should be good value for money. Otherwise, just give it us for free, like with uh, like what No Man's Sky has to do. They just Give, if you just give us it for free, like, because we we kind of owed it. DLC just I I like DLC, but it's got to be for a game that I really like now. Otherwise, I I usually just buy the bog standard editions of games now instead of the deluxe editions because I don't care about the season pass <laughs> thing because I've been burned way too many times. So most DLC I just avoid unless it's a game I absolutely love. So like the next one I'll be really into is Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven probably. If that ever emerges, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Um, I'm surprised it took that long to mention No Man's Sky actually, because that's a really good example of DLC like transforming a game's success and reputation. Yeah, it's like, it's a completely different game now. It's like, it, it's it's gone beyond the game. Like they got to a point where the game was finally the game they promised, and now they're just, they're still going. They're just still building on it. And it's like it's really admirable. Like, I, I don't know how they make money doing this, but I am very impressed. And it's like. Fair play to them. Yeah. Like, a lot of D- DLC should be free. There's a lot of it's not worth charging you for. If it's something that should have already been paid for in the main game. That's why I've got a problem with, like, uh, Watch Dogs Legions 
season pass there's a lot of stuff in that which is just stuff that feels like it was pulled out of the main game and they're just selling it back to you over like a couple of months mm. okay so for games we like yes but it has to hit the goldilocks spot of price time and relevance shall we say yeah yeah or like innov- like innovation yeah. kind of give us something a little bit new don't change out too much but give us something a look give us like a dash of jam on top of the porridge or something <laughs> perfect I, i'm glad we came up with the porridge metaphor we'll ignore the bear fur or hair or whatever chip said both oh i see <laughs> for some reason i'm never having breakfast with you that's for sure <laughs> yeah just don't accept porridge do you think he carries I'm not a bear <laughs> You said that so incredulously. It sounds like you protest too much, I think. Yeah. I like how Chip went with, I'm not a bear. And in my head, I was about to say, I don't think he's carrying around a bag of bear hair (laughs) to scatter on porridge. Wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) Anyway. I think my opinion on DLC is it's a wrap up. It's just in the wrap up. It's like obviously largely indifferent (laughs) because I don't have a great load of experience with them aside from if they're already included in a version of the game I've bought. Aside from cynical cash grabs, I think this really is just one of those things where I'm just like, people that like them, great, you do you. It's your money, if you want to spend it on aesthetic stuff, whatever. I just, I find it's, I less, I'm less judging the people that like that sort of content and I'm more judging the studios that make that sort of content, I would say. So you'd say you're aggressively fine towards the concept of the DLC? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. No. I f- no. Not even aggressively. <laughs> just fine. That's... I'm Mildly just fine. fine. It's just... It's fine. <laughs> Passively fine. Okay, so that's it for our episode this month. Um, As is tradition, I have a recommendation for you all for something games-related. And it's not DLC-related, but Andy started doing um, a video game music Monday hashtag, so I thought I'd tie in with that. And I wanted to sing the praises of Bear McCreary's God of War uh, score, which is my favourite video game score of all time. I love it. And it's a really good motivator when you need work. And then there's lovely, calm, lilting bits. So yes... God of War soundtrack, give it a listen. Bear McCreary is awesome. Yep, it's on Spotify, so you've got no excuse to not listen it to it. It is on Spotify. I listen to it a lot. <laughs> so yeah, so let's do social media for everyone. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at 1UPPOD with just the one D for the caveat in case anyone thinks odd is spelt with two Ds. Idiots. <laughs> Please give <laughs> us a rate, uh, a like, a review, a subscribe, all of the things on your podcast platforms of choice uh sasha where can people find you uh you can find me at bash at demon head on twitch and twitter and instagram i suppose <laughs> you suppose yes <laughs> chip uh you can find me on twitch where it's twitch.tv forward slash uh chip thompson stubbs are God, you sure i almost forgot that <laughs> yeah i think so um twitch accounts do you have You'll find someone there at least. And I am on Twitter with all my porridge recipes uh, at the Chip Thompson. <laughs> and Andy. I'm on Twitter at truly underscore defective. Still just that one. And I do most of the tweets on the one up pods. Yeah, account. you're a tweet machine on there at the moment. It's great. Yeah, so if you're being abused by somebody, it's probably me. <laughs> Affectionately abused. 
sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I am Becky Grace Lee on Twitter and Instagram. And that's it for this month. Join us next month for Horizon Zero Dawn, which I'm very excited about. And in the meantime, remember, get a life, play video games.